2: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: On today's Lockdown Thunder podcast, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder, getting a professional win against the Utah Jazz. What this game means for Oklahoma City as they stop their two-game losing streak Casey wallace steps up j-dub looks like a star and more
1: you are locked on thunder your daily oklahoma city thunder podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: get it going on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's the Lockdown Thunder Podcast here today. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thundersintentions.com, Ryland Stiles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, Pod at On today's show, we're diving into the Thunder's professional win over the Utah Jazz. Case and Wallace steps up, J-Dub shines, and Josh Skiddy looks improved. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at PrizePix. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, go to prizepicks.com slash locked in Use code all lowercase locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Folks, in this game, the Thunder missed Lou Dort. He was out with an illness. Cason Wallace had to be thrusted into the starting lineup, had a career night. And the Utah Jazz, who are red hot nine and one last 10 games, they came in only missing G-League assignment players, per, you know, a, a fantastic home record and the Thunder were able to stop a two-game losing streak. And the Thunder have never had a losing streak longer than two this season. And this was a spot where it easily could have spiraled. You lose to the Lakers, you lose to the Clippers, and that LA back-to-back. The Clippers game, the Clippers were, were, were just shooting the ball extremely well, play, playing really good basketball. Both teams played really well, but some team had to lose. But now, you're on a 0-1-2 streak. SJ didn't quite look right in LA, so there's a little concern about that. Utah is playing fantastic basketball. Minnesota to in-the-road trip uh, is a very tough matchup for Oklahoma City. Then you start to begin to wonder if this could spiral into an 0-4 stretch, which most teams face every year. But the Thunder came out in this game on fire, and they really set the tone, as they have when they face these sort of questions this entire season. They got to the rim very well. They looked quicker than than they had in the past few games. And they eventually grew a 19-point lead right out of the gate. And that lead did dwindle. Basketball is a game of runs. But still, the Thunder had zero lead changes. They controlled this game wire to wire, only two ties. And there were a few reasons why I think this game was a professional win for Oklahoma City. Not only did they stave off the Jazz runs, and even when the Jazz tied it up twice, they never relinquished the lead. But the Jazz came into this game as the best rebounding team in the NBA, The Thunder, one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA. And yet, on the glass, they both finish with 38 rebounds. The Thunder even turned the ball over one more time than Utah. But the 38 rebounds and the Jazz went to their zone defense. And OKC just looked more prepared for it. They were were more decisive. They were making better decisions with the basketball. They were skipping the ball around the perimeter. And they were finding the soft spot in the Jazz zone. Now, of course, it was not perfect. but by no means was it as bogged down as it typically looks for OKC when the other team goes to a zone. The Thunder one points in the paint by two. They dominate fast break points 29-13. And Utah still, despite having even rebounding numbers, dominated second chance points. But the Thunder shot 55-43-85. Utah shot 48-40-83. That's a really good shooting split for Utah uh, whenever you consider the slow start for the Jazz uh, in this game. After Utah settled in, they still could not overcome the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was a great response to each run. The Jazz had many of them. One of them was an 8-0 run with under a minute in the game gone by, right? So it was, a, it was an 8-0 run, you know, in the span of like 50 seconds of uh, uh, the course of this game. But the Thunder just overall showed their selfless passing nature, their constant movement, and their cuts that free up others. Like their, their cuts, of course, you know, if you hit the cutter, it's going to be a, a fantastic, easy shot, easy bucket. But sometimes, you know, the cutter is just a, a dummy action to get an open three in the corner to, to get uh, you know a, a different action for OKC. And that's where they were able to capitalize and really hurt the defense. This was just a complete game. Good teams do this. Like good teams go in on the road, they set the tone early then they just sit there and nurse the lead and and and, and react and 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 combat you know the, the biggest runs from the other team. So if the thunder can have you know a, a constant level of effort on the glass if they can get out and run in transition and dominate there. And then if they do this where everyone truly contributes and the thunder we're up seven points whenever SGA returns to this game in the final five minutes. Now, clearly, the final five minutes were still exhilarating and we're still, you know, nip and tuck, so to say. But in general, the last you know, month, the Thunder have done a fantastic job of growing leads and throwing haymakers, as we said, whenever SG is on the bench in the fourth quarter to start things out. And if you can consistently do that, if you can consistently say the Thunder will be up two, three possessions or more when SGA returns and all he has to do is close out the last five minutes. You're going to feel really good about that. You're going to feel really good about turning over the reins to an MVP caliber player with that kind of lead late in NBA games. Who can, who can hit the balls you know so well at the free throw line, hit the shots at the free throw line. So well, you're going to feel good about that. And the thunder should feel good about this win. Like, like yes, the jazz right now are, are, are a 22 and 21 team, but, Thinking about their start and thinking about where they're at now, like they, they've been impressive this year to even get back to this point where they're the ninth seed in the West. That was a good Jazz team. That is a decisive home quarter advantage. Not only are the, is the crowd into it, but the altitude, the third leg of a, a, of a of a four game, you know, of a four game road trip. And now you head in the Minnesota and you have a, sh- a chance against a team that is very, very tough and a team that that you know it's a tough matchup for Oklahoma City specifically. But you have a chance to to salvage a road trip and go 500 on the road. And then you head back home for one quick one against Portland, which which should be a very, very easy win. But you know what happens over you soon. And away you go. You know, you're back on track at that point from, from that from that two-game uh, losing streak against the L.A. teams. So this was a professional win, one that the Thunder needed because it easily could have went the other way. And it just continues to show what this young team has made of. What this young team is able to accomplish. We'll talk about Casey Wallace stepping up, we'll talk about J Dub and more coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, about good friends over at eBay Motors. Check it out today at eBay Motors, folks, because eBay Motors is teaming up with locked on fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd, and they're gonna bring you the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So no matter if you are prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week. You're gonna be provided with the players that are guaranteed to fit your roster, just like eBay Motors is guaranteed to fit your ride. So let's see who Josh Lloyd has picked for this week's eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Player of the Week. You have a lot to choose from. Gigi Jackson, Mason Plumley, Aaron Nismith, Jabari Walker, Marvin Bagley the third. But I'm gonna go with easy. I'm gonna go with Gigi Jackson. You know, Memphis, of course, is dealing with a plethora of injuries. They they are just decimated by them. They just need Players. They just need minutes. Right. And Gigi Jackson was an interesting draft prospect and he's been figuring it out in the G League. And now he's going to get opportunity in the NBA. And he's shown flashes. He can be a shot creator uh, that, that Memphis needs. And I think that in fantasy, like you don't necessarily care about like overall efficiency, you care more than that about the raw numbers. And I think that Gigi Jackson uh, can put up raw numbers against Memphis, you know, with Memphis, I should say. Uh, because of all of their injuries and because of, of what they're looking at. Someone has to score. Somebody has to get assists. Somebody has to get rebounds. Like Those things are just going to happen still for Memphis, even if they're going to lose a ton of games and, and, and be bad after these injuries. So I, I think that with OKC, uh, with your fantasy pick of the week, you can see them uh, use Gigi Jackson in your fantasy lineup to really take you to the next level. Josh Lloyd of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is here to help you with your fantasy championship and eBay Motors is where it is here to help you win a championship with your ride because it can keep it alive. So make sure that you go there and find the perfect fit uh, with your fantasy team and also with your vehicle. So check it out today at eBay Motors. And when you do, you, know, you can go and check out eBay Motors to find out how to keep your ride or die alive. I love eBay Motors because I don't know anything about cars. I don't know a single thing about cars. But I don't have to. I just have to know my make, my model, my year. And when I do that, then boom, they're going to tell me uh, all the parts that will fit into my car. So I'm not guessing or having to make returns or anything like that. With over 122 parts to choose from, your number one ride or die can stay alive and running smoothly from brake kits to LED lights to roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. Check it out today. eBay Motors has it. It's the eBay guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. <clears throat> We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. J-Dub looked like a star against the Utah Jazz. And I think that J-Dub flat out, Jalen Williams is an NBA all-star caliber player. Right now, today, Jalen Williams is an all-star caliber player. Now we can talk about the politics of the all-star game with the fan voting, but also just with like in general, it's very rare that you see a team get multiple, especially three all-stars. And that's what this Thunder team is going to be staring down for the foreseeable future. If all these guys continue to play this way, where there's going to be three guys that are worthy of an all-star appearance. They're likely only going to get two. And I say, there's just some, some jaw dropping record. So, you know, we can debate whether J. W. will make an All Star team in the in the near near future. He obviously will not make this year's All Star team, I don't think. But you know, next year or whatever, we'll talk about that later. But in terms of how he's playing basketball, he is playing basketball like an All Star. He is playing basketball at that level because he can defend, play the passing lanes, and get steals, and run transition. He can throw that lob past the Chet, navigate the pick and roll as a facilitator, hit these pull-up mid-range shots. I mean, mean, in this game, he took a heat check three against two defenders, nails it, huge momentum shifter on the road. OKC goes up 113-102 into the timeout. And so we mentioned that when Utah makes these runs, the Thunder have answers. A lot of those answers came from J-Dub. A lot of those answers came from what he was able to do. And he's one of those guys that help you in these moments, help you shift the energy, shift the momentum. That's why it's so tough to win on the road because you've got 18 guys who will bring energy and bring momentum. The opposite team has thousands of people bringing the momentum and energy for them. So you've got to create that from within. And there's automatically going to be some of those 18 guys that just, that's not their style. Their style is not to play with a ton of uh, emotion on their sleeve and passion. But it certainly is Jadeb style. And J Dub is a desperate need. Uh, you know, this team is in desperate need of, of J Dub's, you know, fantastic energy and, and, and kind of just vibes that he brings along with his fantastic all-star level play. You know, after that Utah run, hits a three, gets an assist to Kaysen for three. OKC's back up double digits. He finishes this game with 27 points, three boards, eight assists, two steals, two blocks. And he just has so many ways to kill you. And as you describe J-Dub's game, it sounds eerily similar to another player on the Thunder roster. So a few things that he's able to do at an elite level. He is elite at playing off the catch because, you know, with the way he's shooting the ball at the three-point line and the mid-range and at the rim, no matter where he's out on the floor, when he catches that ball, he's going to demand attention from the defense. And so they're going to close out hard to him, and when they do, He's simply just able to walk pretty much, right? Because of his long strides, that first stride gets his defender on the back hip. The second step seals off the defender. Now, because you attacked out so hard, because you're playing so far up on him, and because he's just longer than you, he's beat you to the rim. It's an easy bucket. It's a finger roll. It's over, right? So playing off the catch is fantastic for him. That soft touch at the rim floater is a wrinkle that allows him to force the defender to be wrong. Because you know, with the with the strength that he has and his ability to initiate that bump contact around the restricted area uh, to, to get an easy layup, you're going to want to gear up for him to just be bruising into you. But he can also just pull up the little floater up there and away you go. So he can allow, uh, he can put himself in a, an ability to score in so many different ways. And then you see just his rise up jumper in the mid-range in isolation, which is so dangerous because again, you're gonna to want to be playing back a little bit to not get blown by. You're gonna to have to be closing out on threes, and then you're kind of in this no man's land in the mid-range. So when you look at his you know shot chart, he shot over 70% from three. I'm sorry, 70% from the floor. All of his makes came from the nail, the paint, three-point line. That's where all his makes came from. He worked in that area and it worked all night long because when he's on the floor as the lead creator, he's able to navigate the pick and roll so well that it almost ensures that he'll get a switch onto a smaller guard and just be able to rise up over them and just shoot over the top of them, which is where he gets a lot of his buckets, you know, whenever he's in charge of the, you know, of the action here at the end of the, at the uh, beginning of the second quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. uh, And in those moments, but his elite ability to flip a switch is something that we rarely see. Because so often, whether it be by player choice or coach choice, so often these players get put into a box of like, this is your role. This is who you are. You don't deviate from that. You just do this thing. With Jada, watch when the ball is tipped against Minnesota. When the ball's tipped and he's playing with the starters, he is one of the best off-ball weapons offensively that the league has. Because he's so smart at it relocation, and taking advantage of how the defense reacts to the Thunder's initial action. So maybe it's a pick-and-roll action with Chet and SGA on the opposite slot than where J-Dub's at. He can watch and see who's rotating to help, who's crashing down, who's hedging on the screen, and he can take all that in a split second and understand where he needs to go next to be wide open. And then you see the defense might stop that initial action, but now you've you've paid so much attention to gear up for that that you've missed Jadub cutting to the rim, that you've missed Jadub popping out to the corner three, that you've missed Jadub right flaring into into the elbow. Like you've missed all that, and he's wide open, and he's gonna you know capitalize on it. So he can go from being this savant off ball player to being a creator on ball in the in the blink of an eye, you know, in, the, in the sound of a buzzer. Like that is really impressive, and that is incredibly hard to do. That is not something that that is that most people can do. But how about Kaysen Wallace? Kaysen Wallace hits that dagger three, and that's that dog mentality stuff that we've been hearing from Kaysen. We've been hearing from uh, everyone around him from the pre-draft process. That dagger three was huge, goes six for seven from the floor overall, so does not miss one of you know, any of his two shots inside. goes four for five from three. He nailed a couple of corner threes early. You get a transition three. These all kind of bubble up and build to uh, you know huge shifters for Oklahoma City. And then you just saw how he played off of the starters so well. Like the gravity that the starters need and the, and the gravity that the starters um, demand, he played off of that extremely well in the corner. Four rebounds for Kason Wallace, an assist, a steal, a block, and 16 points. You know, he looks like a high-level NBA starter whenever he has to swing start for OKC uh, because j got hurt, Shea got hurt, Lou got hurt in this game. I mean, I'm sorry, not hurt, but Lou, Lou's sick uh, in this game. And I think it's so impressive because there's it's twofold. The first one, just like a little anecdotal note, Casey Wallace specifically, uh, you know, the last home game at shoot-around, talked about how important routines are and how important the game day routine is. And the Thunder's initial injury report had zero injuries, fully healthy. Then in the middle of the afternoon, Ludor's questionable with an illness. He tried it out pregame, you know, I guess, or whatever, however that worked, You tried it out. It wasn't going to go. Somehow found out within that day on Thursday that Ludor can't go. That's not a lot of lead time to figure out you're going to be starting an NBA game. And starting an NBA game where you know, there's some pressure. You lost two in a row. You don't want to lose three in a row for the first time all season. And then if you did lose three in a row, you're heading to Minnesota. Like, there's a lot of pressure on this game. So this felt like a different game. It's the altitude. It's the it's the rabid jazz fans. And yet Casey Wallace was just ready for the call and was just ready for his opportunity. And he made the most of it. He knocked down some very big shots, including that late three. And then the second thing is how consistent Casey Wallace has been. To where, you know, people always talk about old football coaches of like if you look at the old football coaches you never really know if their team was winning or losing or if it was a good play or bad play because they're just so stoic. If you watch Casey and Wallace play basketball, you never really know if he's shooting 85% from three like he did you know, the first two months of the season or you know, the first month of the season or if he's shooting 30% from three as he did in December because he's going to confidently take his open shot. He's not going to be hesitant. He's going to make good decisions. He's not going to force anything. He's not going to be trying to get it all back in one shot. He's rather going to express frustration. He might clap after a missed shot or something. But if you're not watching him specifically, you're not going to really notice that, right? So for all you know, Kaysen is still shooting 80% from three. And even after that 30% dip in December, he's still shooting 41% from three. So like, this is not about a shot. It's about how engaged he can stay at making winning impacts defensively and making winning impact offensively, even while he shot 30% during the best stretch of the Thunder season. You know, December obviously was their, was their best stretch so far. Not that they've had a bad stretch, but like December was fantastic for them. They had a lot of big wins they had a lot of big games. Kaysen played in all of them. Kaysen played rotational minutes in all of them. Kaysen was a big part of all of them, but yet he only shot 30% from three. But he does not allow that to affect anything else. He doesn't allow that to affect his jumper. He doesn't allow that to affect how how he plays defensively and how engaged he is on that end of the floor. And eventually it swings back around to where, because he kept in that same mold of, I'm going to take my open shots confidently, just going to let them fly, and then I'm going to play good defense. It eventually swings to a four four for five game from three in a game where Casey Wallace was one of the biggest factors in getting this win. So I think that, that, that there's a lot of credit for what he is as a rookie. It's a very unique ability as a rookie to be able to, to, to kind of do that in a game. We'll talk about Josh Giddy, Chet Home, and, and more coming up. But first what I see right now about a good friends over at prize picks, check it out today at prizepickscom lockdownnba slash NBA or use code all lowercase locked in NBA. It's available in Oklahoma. It's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. What you do is you pick a minimum of two players. You can you can pick up to like six, seven. You can pick as many as you want to, but a minimum is a, a minimum of two players. And you can craft this entry against the prize pick projections. That's what I love. I love the fact that it's simply only against the prize pick projections. You're not playing some daily fantasy professional that does this for a living and knows way more of how fantasy works than you. It's just hey, do you think SGA will score more or less? than 30 and a half points against Utah or or 25 and a half points against Minnesota. Do you think that that Chet Holmgren will have more or less than a block and a half against Minnesota? Right? Like you're picking those things on prize picks. And what's so fun is Saturday, the Thunder and, and Timberwolves play, there's also an NFL playoff game on. You can mix and match that entry to where you pick some Thunder players, but then you go pick you know some NFL players in in, in that in that playoff game. And you can watch them side-by-side, side, multiple screens. Everyone has them these days. You can go check it out, uh, prize picks, and have a lot of fun monitoring those things. So make sure you check it out. And and you can even go, and if you're worried because, hey, I only like the NBA. That's all I want to do is is is, is look at the NBA prize picks offerings. But in the NBA, as we saw with Lou Dort, what if I put Lou Dort on my entry at 9 a.m. because the injury report was clean, and then I I, I don't check it until the game tips off, and I realize, oh, wait, Lou's not playing today. He's he's sick. Guess what? PrizePix offers you a reboot policy. It's the only daily fantasy platform that has an injury protection insurance policy. So go check it out today at PrizePicks.com. And whenever you do, use code LOCKDONNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Check it out today at PrizePicks.com. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Josh Giddy looked much better. I mean, he had the Euro step finish. He had the tough and one. He had just better overall uh, rim finishes. He had the mid-range shot at the nail, which was huge to beat the zone defense at times. Um, you know, that was, that was a big shot for him. And it just continues to to look like, what I've said of, you know, you, you're going to you're gonna want Josh Giddey to get better at scoring inside the arc. That's going to really be the swing for him. Because he's just not going to shoot enough three-pointers to where it even matters to adjust to him on the perimeter. And that's not his fault. It's just not going to be his style of play. And that's not going to be how the Thunder play. The Thunder are not going to feed him 10 three-pointers a game. And if they did feed him 10 three-pointers a game, he wouldn't be shooting 40%. So it's kind of like the chicken or the egg argument. So for Josh Giddey, where you see him improve, like you saw the triple-double, against Portland, you saw this game against uh, you know, Utah. When he's played some of these top games of a season, he's been doing damage at the rim. He's been doing damage inside the arc, and that's where you're going to want to see him thrive. That's where he thrived in FIBA. but he can do it, and when he does, it's going to really unlock things for him, and he's done it in recent vintages of this, of this season. Ten rebounds, nine of them defensively, that's what you're looking for is that the Thunder came into this game understanding, hey, one of the worst rebounding teams is OKC. One of the best is Utah. It's going to take an all-out effort. It's going to take an all-out, you know, kind of just physicality game from this team. And, and Kinnert stepped up. Josh Giddy stepped up. All these players stepped up to allow them to even up the glass at 38 apiece. Six assists, a steal, 20 points. He had much better body control at the rim. Really good decision-making with the ball. And not ending plays too early, and like what I mean by that is, is there are times where you know early on whenever he was struggling, he'd pick up his dribble way too soon, and there's nowhere to go, and he just kind of froze everything, right? Or he'd get the ball swung to him, and he's open for three, but he he doesn't know if he wants to shoot it, does he want to try to drive, does he want to try to pass and keep the ball moving, and so it results in just kind of this stall out for you know a split one two seconds. But that's all the defense needs to get back aligned uh, and, and take away an advantage. And so he's doing a much better job of just. Playing his role, right? Just, just doing what he has to do, being relaxed. And, and he's doing that a lot better. And he's playing a lot better. And then I just can't, you know, preach enough about how his defense has come a long way as a team defender. The way that he positions himself is the biggest thing. It led to his steal, right? He's positioning himself with his back to the baseline to where he can see everything in front of him and he can anticipate the entry pass to the post. Got the steal, got to the transition points. And the Thunder were able to capitalize on that. And that was just a simple fix. And that was just a, a simple, not only positional fix, but also just being engaged and being, and being more active on the defensive end, not being as as laxed. But it's really shown in the last two weeks how much better he's gotten on defensively. Again, with a qualifier of he's not going to be a good point of attack defender. But if you look around the NBA, a lot of guys are not great point of attack defenders that are really good basketball players. Like That's not going to be the standard. That's why. Guys like Luke Dort, guys like Casey Wallace, those guys kind of stand out a lot it's because in the modern NBA, it's, it's incredibly tough to be a point of attack defender. But but Josh Giddy is not as bad of a defender as he showed at the beginning of the season. He can be a really good team defender, and I think that he will do that um, as the season goes on because he's done it over the last two weeks. He's done it at a much, much better job. Chet Holmgren, even in an offensive slump, he had game-changing plays. He had the block of Walker Kessler. He, he had the denial just uh, just swallowed up. I believe I believe it was Colin Sexton's shot uh, at the rim, and then he had the game saving block uh, you know, to end the game on Laurie Markin. And yes, his offense was struggling, six for sixteen. And I think that at times he was actually a little too unselfish. Like there was there was times later in that game after after those misses started to mount up, where you know he'd rise up in the middle of the paint could have been a could have been an easy no one around him, mid-range shot, It tried to dump it off. And that was a turnover because, uh, you know, I think I think it was case that, that that he kind of hit in the ankles with a pass on a, on a play where he probably should have just shot it. There were some open threes where he kind of passed it up. Uh, there was a chance where he had an open three, fly by, dribble, then that's open as well in the mid-range. And he still kind of passed it. I, I, I think it was just a little too unselfish. And I think that was more so like getting lost in the way the Thunder play. Of the sister were working. Being unselfish was working. Finding the cutters was working. And so you got lost in just doing it over and over and over again. When at times, like you, it's okay to also you know, shoot the ball. I think that, that that you know the offensive slump, two for six from three, that never took him out of his game. He had four. He had five assists. He had five rebounds. He had four blocks. Four blocks. Right. That never took him out of what he did defensively. It goes back to what we said about Kayson. These two rookies, very unique, and, and I think that with Kaysen, with uh, Kaysen, it's obvious. With Chet Holmgren, his snap and clear next play mentality is on display every night. I mean, he he got rejected by Walker Kessler. He got scored on at the rim. Doesn't doesn't matter. Just comes back down. Next play blocks Kessler. You know, blocks that Kessler dunk attempt. Like he just plays the next play. And it's funny because like when you hear him talk and and the way that he addresses questions, people always make the comment of like, Oh, he sounds like a Sam Presti robot. Like He sounds like what the thunder want him to say. I think that's just who he is. Like like, it just is a perfect marriage of what the thunder look for and what he does. But uh, his ability to separate each side of the floor is fantastic because you've seen other big men. You've seen big men not as talented as Chet Holmgren, where if they're not getting the ball enough offensively, if they're not getting their points enough offensively, it hurts their defense, right? Or if they're struggling offensively, they're loafing on defense. His ability to just completely separate church and state in that way is able to, you know, is why he's able to still have a game-winning play in a a night where, as a big man, he shot six for sixteen. I think that was awesome for him sga with a ho-hum 30 point efficient night <laughs> all i'll say is this: you know 53 percent from the floor six rebounds six assists a steal a massive block down the stretch whenever okc had to get a stop he had 31 points he just kills you in the mid-range he had the and ones he's a uh, uh, driving force downhill and it led to 17 free throws and he can pick apart any defensive look all that stuff we know you look up at the end of the game and he somehow has thirty-one points on on fifty-three percent from the floor. And you look at that box score in Oklahoma City as you watch him every single game of his career, and you just go, hmm, "Okay, pretty cool." Like that would be fantastic for any player in the NBA. But with SGA, it's just gonna like expect it, kind of like normal, kind of kind of like uh, you know, almost like a when you're watching it, you're just like, "Ah, SGA, weird game from him, right?" He shot fifty-three percent from the floor. Like like this is a fan, you know, a fantastic game by NBA standards. I think that the Biggest takeaway from this game for him is that he just—you just should never trap SGA. And there's a difference between trapping and double teaming. Double teaming is different, but it's—it's it's that when when you come across the timeline, you're at the top of the key, and then you know your defenders in front of you, and then the late one's going to just kind of show on you, just scramble out to you, put his hands up and try to trap you at the top of the key. Not commit to double teaming you, but just try to trap and, and see what you'll do. That's a that's a not smart decision by oppositions because he can use that crossover to split the defense. He can use his passing ability to take advantage of now playing four on five. uh, And then he can also just stay calm. Like the whole point of trapping is like that. You hope that, that whoever you trap with the ball is going to panic and make a bad read, make a bad pass. You can get a turnover and it's a a fantastic defensive stop. That's not going to happen with SGA. He's going to either split the trap, With his ball handling, make the right pass, you know, with his playmaking, or find a way to pull it out and just reset. And you can't if he pulls it out of that trap and kind of walks back toward the timeline. Now you've really got to get back onto your original man because now they're playing half court offense in the five on four. So, so I don't think that like trapping is just a very smart thing. And he made the Jazz pay multiple times for trapping him. Kenneth Williams, he looked back in this game you know he he might have been a step slower too uh over the last two weeks but like he was fantastic he was physical and aggressive on the glass he had a ton of uh tough rim finishes he only had four rebounds but he had made a he made a much bigger impact than that on the glass with his ability to box out put a body on people uh 9 points, two assists, a steal and 17 minutes of really high level of defense switching and playing really well on that end of the floor vasa he is figuring things out. Now, there's a glaring flaw with Vasa that we're going to talk about, but he uses that pass fake to set up his drives so well. He had a nice transition bucket where he outraced the defense to the rim, got an and one, right? He he was able to drive in the paint, and his ability to drive and survey the floor at the same time is at a high level is what we saw in EuroLeague. He drives in the paint. He rises up as if he's going to take this, this kind of um, you know, kind of floater at the at the opposite low block, but as he rises up, he just tosses the ball over the top of the defense, the opposite dunker spot where Wiggins is there to finish the job for an easy, easy bucket behind the defense. That is just so creative, and it is just so impressive to be able to 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 keep an offense connected that way. The the thing he has to learn though is like this is like the glaring flaw of him uh, for the, for this week. You know, this week he's played some really good basketball. The only issue has been against LeBron and then again in this game uh, against Utah. He's got to realize that like there's just certain transitional opportunities that you can't do anything about. Like You just at some point have to wave the white flag and say, look, go score. Because when you go and LeBron's in transition and you go touch his elbow, you're not going to alter his shot. LeBron James is going to make that 100 times out of 100. So now all you've done is give him an additional point for the end one. Happened with Okaiak Bajji as well. You've got to learn that if you're going to foul, you've got to really commit to fouling. You've got to ensure that you're in the proper position to foul and ensure that you're going to stop that initial bucket. Because this week now twice, two weak fouls have led to and ones uh, that that were just needless. You could just not given up the additional points. It doesn't really matter in in those two games specifically, but like in a closer game, those things come back to bite you. And those are things that those are just little things. That I think that Vasa will continue to learn and continue to adapt to, continue to grow to. Six points and you know, some and some nice passing for him in this game. Vasa is really figuring it out at the NBA level. And I think that, as we mentioned, whenever he signed, this stretch will, will be where he becomes a mainstay in the rotation. I expect him to play again against Minnesota and, and play really well. He's playing at that level where you want him in the rotation and the Thunder are going to keep him there, I believe. So we'll see. Uh, what that looks like. We're going to be back to recap the game against Minnesota and Monday. We're going to be grading your fake trades. So make sure you get your fake trades in on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles and on YouTube comment section uh, down below. So check it out today. Subscribe to Locked on Thunder anywhere. you Get your podcast from including on YouTube and until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.
1: Hey, prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music.